Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles. Be looking in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60. John chapter 6, verse 60. We've looked at the first portion of John chapter 6, this great sermon that Jesus gave after feeding the 5,000, this sermon in which Jesus proclaimed that he was the very bread of heaven. And that being the bread of heaven, the only way that you and I can have salvation is when we consume Him. When we eat His flesh and we drink His blood. When we are united to Him in a spiritual way that shows that we are His people. And yet this message was not well received. This message was not well received by the Jews there. And just like the Jews thousands of years before this event in the wilderness, they grumbled at the bread of heaven. They despised the bread of heaven. But yet that did not stop Jesus. Jesus didn't pull back. Jesus instead went forward, raised the bar of what it meant to be a follower, what it meant to be a disciple. The question we want to ask today is what happens after the sermon stops? What happens after the, the last tune of the, the last echo of the tune of the invitation hymn stops? What happens when the benediction is over? And the doors are open, and people begin piling out on their way home. Well, today, we all know what's going to happen. After that stops, we're going to go in, we're going to have a fellowship meal. It's going to be great. And I know y'all are thinking, surely he's not going to talk about food on the day we're having a fellowship meal and preach long. But you'd be surprised, right? Uh, Now, what happens, though? What happens uh, to individuals who hear the word of life? What happens after the sermon stops? That's the question for us today. In John chapter 6, verse 60 down to 71, we see that the hard words of Jesus turned away many followers, but his true followers trusted in the words of eternal life. Indeed, the Bible tells us that the call of Jesus is not easy to hear, but all those who have ears to hear understand that they are the words of life. So the question we want to ask ourselves today is what is my response to the words of life? What is my response to Jesus? Jesus must not know how to build a church. Because here, Jesus does the exact opposite of what we would think would be common sense. Jesus gathers a crowd with food. This is youth, youth ministry 101 here. You get pizza, you're going to have people there. And that's what he does, right? He gets food and he gathers this great crowd. And he has the crowd right where he wants them. And when you get the crowd right where you want them, you don't want to say anything that's going to turn them away, right? We're trying to build a crowd. Except Jesus wasn't trying to build a crowd. Jesus was calling disciples. And today, Jesus is calling disciples. Today, the word of life will go forth in the next 30 minutes, 40, 50. The next 30 minutes, the word of life will go forth. And Jesus is not trying to draw a crowd. Jesus is trying to draw his church. He's trying to uh, call disciples out of death into life. And the question for you is what will you do with the words of life? 
today we see two responses to the words of life. In fact, there are only two responses. The first one we see is that many turned away. We begin reading in verse 60, and this is what we read. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that you have given your word. We thank you for the spirit that infuses your word with this power. And we pray this morning, as we hear your word, we pray that your spirit would go forth and your spirit would call people out of darkness into light. That you would call disciples today that would follow you and not turn back. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. The first thing that we see is that a group of people, a group of disciples even, hear the words of Jesus and they turn away. This is the first response. This is one of the two responses we'll look at today. But notice the situation. It begins in verse 60 with the disciples saying, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Who can hear it? What has Jesus just said? Jesus has just said, if you do not eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. What Jesus has told them is that casual Christianity does not work. Those who practice Christianity casually, those who practice it in name alone, they are not a part of Jesus. You can't just have a little bit of Jesus and it be okay. A little bit of Jesus will not get you into heaven. No, when we follow him as our all in all, as we follow him and he becomes us and we are united with him spiritually, that is salvation. Not casual Christianity, not semi-Christianity, not I can't believe it's not Jesus. None of those things will do. Only Jesus will do. That is a hard statement. That's a hard statement for many reasons. That's a hard statement because you and I are sinful. You and I are fickle. You and I have trouble committing to things. Yet Jesus has said, commitment, 100% commitment. Your life is what I demand. Not portions of your life. Your life is what I demand. And the disciples hear this, and their first response is, this hard statement. This is hard. Who can follow it? Who can listen to it? Uh, who, who, can, who can follow this? And Jesus' response is not to say that it's not a hard statement. Jesus' response isn't to take a step back and say, oh, you misunderstood me. No, Jesus' response is to go forward. Jesus says, knowing that his disciples were grumbling, he says, do you take offense at this? 
What if you were to see me, the Son of Man, ascending to where I was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Notice first, notice first that the disciples were grumbling. This isn't the first time. This isn't the first uh, mention of grumbling in this passage. In fact, if you go back just a little bit, where Jesus has proclaimed that he is the bread of life, we see that the Jewish people begin grumbling. And one of the lessons of the scripture, I think, is that grumbling is infectious. That the Jewish people had been grumbling about the difficulty of what Jesus has been saying. And this grumbling even went to not just the Jewish people who were there, but to the people who claimed to be disciples of Jesus. These people began grumbling as well, taking offense at what Jesus has said. Formerly, they were disciples. Formerly, they followed Jesus. Maybe they left house and home. Maybe they left jobs and family. But now they're grumbling. And Jesus tells them why they're grumbling. He says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And that's a hard statement. Because you and I want the flesh to help. You and I want to be able to say, it is my flesh that has accomplished this. You and I love the idea of the self-made man. The one who picks himself up by his bootstraps. The one that by flesh raises himself up to be at this position. And yet Jesus says the flesh gives no help at all. In fact, this is exactly what Paul is going to say in Romans. where Paul says in Romans that in the flesh no man can please God. Nothing you do in the flesh. And by in the flesh we mean in our fleshly sinful nature. Nothing that we do can please God. Even the best thing that we do is tainted by our sins. So what is our solution? Well, Jesus tells us it is the Spirit who gives life. It must be the Spirit. In other words, we will continue to grumble and reject and despise the bread of life until the Spirit changes our hearts and opens our eyes. This is why Jesus said, the words I have given you are not, are not flesh, no, not flesh and death. No, I, the words that I'm giving you are spirit and life. <coughs> Jesus tells them it is the, only the spirit that can cause you to be born again. It is only the spirit by which you can please God. The spirit. God proclaims to us that it is only by the spirit that we are able to see and to follow and to please him. But he does not withhold his spirit. He gives it in abundance. Jesus tells us, here are the words of spirit and of life. Follow them and you will receive life. God doesn't make this hard. God doesn't set salvation on a high mountain for us to climb and to find. No, he brings it down to us. Here are the words of spirit and of life. And yet, what do we read? Jesus said, there are some that still don't believe. And this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. No one can go and come in their own flesh. It must be the Spirit that calls, that beckons, that invites. And so we read in verse 66, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What we find out is that many of these disciples, they turned away. These disciples, these, these, these followers of Jesus, these who their very identity is wrapped up in their master, Jesus, and yet 
they hear this hard statement and they say, that's too much for me. These people weren't casual followers. Not at first, anyway. These are the ones that the word of life, they hear the word of life and, and they spring up and yet the cares of this world, the difficulty of the situation, the, the trials that they face, they, they drew back and they followed Jesus no more. In other words, at any given Sunday, with disciples like these, especially in America, because none of you risked your life to come here this morning. Praise God, we didn't have to risk our life to come here this morning. And yet, yet when the going gets tough, and when Jesus demands more than we think we can give him, these disciples turn away, and they follow Jesus no more. See, they were fine with Jesus when he was dishing out the bread, when he was passing around the fish. They were fine with Jesus when Jesus was healing the sick. But when Jesus said, you must eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you must give me all of you and take in all of me. When Jesus demanded that, they said, that price is too steep. And they turned away. Today, the word will go forth. Today, the message of the gospel will go forth. And today, many here all over our nation and churches just like this one and maybe even in, in, in this church service today many will hear the words of Jesus and they will say that's too much for me I cannot give that Jesus and at any given Sunday disciples say I'm not following that Jesus now I'll continue to come to church and I'll do what I have to to make it seem like I'm a follower of Jesus but I can't give that much we turn away. But this isn't the only response that's recorded here in John 6. And praise God, it's not the only response because then when Jesus, his disciples turn away and many no longer follow him, Jesus then looks at the 12. These select few, these 12 that Jesus spent a night in prayer before he selected by name, called them out to him. These 12 he looks at and Jesus says, what about you? Jesus gives them an out. He gives them an off-ramp. He says, listen, if you're going to stop following me, now is the time to do it because after this, we're going to Jerusalem. After this, we're going to death. So you can get off now. If it's too hard, now is the time to get off. He looks at the 12 and he says, what about you? I don't imagine, I don't imagine that the 12 were quietly sitting humbly and holy in the corner while the rest of the disciples grumbled. If we know anything about the 12, we know that they were good at grumbling because we are also good at grumbling, right? We know that they were good at grumbling. We know that they had grumbled before. We know that they had heard statements and forced to, to deal with them and, and we know that they had failed so many times. And we know that these 12 disciples were probably filled with doubt. Indeed, one of them is called Doubting Thomas. How do you think Thomas felt? Peter, Andrew, they have just heard that Jesus demands 100%, not 99%, 100%. And Jesus looks at them and says, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave? And Peter speaks up. Verse 68, Simon Peter says, one of the best confessions in all of Scripture. He answers Jesus and he says, Lord, 
to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And, have, and we have believed and we came to know that you are the Holy One of God. What does Peter say? Peter, once again, does not deny the difficulty of the demand of Jesus, and neither should his church. We as a church are not about easy believism. We're not just offering somebody something to add to their life. Jesus is not a get-out-of-hell-free card, and we will not offer him as such. We are not going to make Christianity It is not. And we bring people in with the idea that Christianity is easy. When they try it and find it is hard, they quit. And then we say, we don't know what the problem is. No, we're not going to back off the demands of Jesus. We'll acknowledge those demands. Christ is going to ask of you more than you think that you can give. But here's the deciding factor. We have come to believe. We have come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And he has the words of eternal life. There is no other. There is no easier way. There is no other well. There is no other fountain. Jesus is it. He is the Holy One. Come from God. He is the bread of heaven. There is no other feast. There is no other sustenance. He has the words of life. And if he has the words of life, then we can't go anywhere else. And yet Jesus says to them in verse 70, he answers them, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Here in John 6, Jesus shows that there are two options for us. We can either turn away from the words of life. They have been given to us. They have been offered to us. They are difficult. They will prove difficult year in and year out. We will find that the road to heaven is rocky and uphill. But Jesus is with us. We can turn away. If we want an easy life on earth, we can turn away and seek easier methods. But just know that an easy life on earth is temporary and leads to a hellacious afterlife. A disastrous afterlife. An afterlife in which we are cut off from the very words of life and we experience death upon death upon death. The wrath of God upon us because we have despised the bread of heaven. But if we trust in Jesus and we take him in, not not just add him to our life, no, but to take him in, to let our life be Jesus. When we confess that he is He has the words of eternal life. He is the Holy One of God. When we trust Him, not just as a good teacher, not just as a good leader, but very God of very God. When we trust Him as that, then we know, we know He has the words of eternal life. And this life may be difficult. Indeed, it was difficult for Jesus. What does Jesus say? Even here, even when Jesus is offering eternal life here, eternal life is offered with the backdrop of death. Because Jesus says, I have the words of eternal life and one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to lead me to death. One of you is going to lead me to crucifixion. And indeed, what we find out is that eternal life begins with crucifixion. Not only does eternal life begin with the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, 
Not only does eternal life begin with the very crucifixion of the Son of God, but eternal life begins with crucifixion for me and crucifixion for you. The flesh is no help at all. I look at uh, my wife's family has several members that have diabetes, and they have to give each other shots. They have to give, give themselves shots to regulate diabetes. Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you have to give each other. I can't imagine giving myself a shot. No, thank you. I'll let the doctor do that. I can't do it because I know it's coming. It may be a little pain, but I don't want to give myself pain. I would rather somebody else, somebody else take my arm. Somebody else give me the shot. I don't want to give myself the shot. And that's not unnatural. You don't like to put yourself through pain either. You and I, as fleshly human beings, we don't want to hurt ourselves. We don't want to deny ourselves. We don't want to crucify ourselves. The flesh is no help at all. No, but the Holy Spirit, he calls us to crucifixion. And not just a one-time thing. But Jesus tells us what it means to be a follower. He says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Eternal life begins with the crucifixion. But remember, the crucifixion isn't the end of the story. But after the crucifixion, for every believer that has ever crucified themselves, every believer that has ever been crucified, there is always, always, always going to be a resurrection. Because Jesus has the words of eternal life. This morning, you've heard the sermon. I don't have much more to give. But now the ball is in court. Because the music will play, the Bibles will close, the doors will open. The feast will begin. Our bellies will be full. We'll all get in our cars. We'll all go home. But that is not the end of the story. The question for you is, will you hear the words of eternal life, the difficult words of eternal life? Will you reject them? And will you turn away from the source of life? Or will you hear the words of eternal life from the very lips of our Savior? Will you trust in him, obey him, and follow him and receive your reward. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, this morning we thank you that you have caused us to believe, that you have caused us to come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God, that he has the words of eternal life. And Father, we pray this morning for uh, all those who know that, Lord, we know that there are some that do not. And so we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would give them help, call them, draw them, Lord, that they may trust in Jesus and they may be saved. We thank you for our church and we pray that as we continue to lift up Jesus, that you would add to our numbers, that you would bless us, and that you would continue to give us the bread of heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.